0: Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the third episode
2: of Bumps Along the Way. Before I dive into the episode, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you all so much for your overwhelmingly supportive feedback during the last week. When I thought about doing this podcast, obviously it was a little bit intimidating. It's a deeply personal and emotional topic to bring up, and I wasn't sure if this would really resonate with anybody. So, hearing all of your thoughts, hearing your stories and hearing, you know, how much this topic is resonating with you, it means the absolute world. Deciding if it's time to bring a baby into the world is not a small decision. In fact, this decision could be considered the very first bump along the way to pregnancy. There's so much to consider and so many what-ifs to take into account. No one resonates with this topic more than my next guest of bumps, Eva Murray. Eva is what we call a product evangelist at the same company that I work for. And when I started sharing the idea for this podcast suddenly everybody was telling me, you two need to connect. They were right, and you're about to hear why. I find Eva's story so fascinating, from being a little girl mothering dolls, to doubting if she ever wanted to have children, to a pregnancy scare that changed her entire outlook. If you're currently considering trying, or wondering if you'll ever know if it's the right time for you to start, this is the episode of Bumps For You. Hi, Eva. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Bumps Along the Way. I am so excited to be having this conversation with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really looking forward to our chat and uh, and what you're going to ask me because who knows? To kick things off, it would be really nice for people just to get to know you a little bit better Obviously, the way that we know each other is that we work at the same company, but in very different departments. So I thought it'd be interesting to understand, you know, what you do, who you are, and just a little bit about you as a person.
1: Okay, I will I will try and capture that. If we cover off the professional side of things first, i I've been working in data and tech for a number of years now. In my role, I I would describe it like a corporate influencer, like a B2B influencer that's probably... Uh, the most accurate. So really working with companies and you know with some of our partners and helping people understand what's great about our technology and um you know and everything that entails. So I've really enjoyed that. I get to speak at events, speak on stages, which I really like, but also working, you know, with specific companies, with customers, but also with with colleagues and doing some internal enablement. So that's been fun and that's been a journey through the world of data for the last well, 12 plus years so that's the professional side um I but personally so I live in the far northeast of England uh, very close to the Scottish border and I love it it's beautiful here we moved here in January and um I bought a house here last year and it's just it's just a magical place with long sandy beaches um lots of nature great hiking good food and lovely people as well
2: um, no, sounds yeah. idyllic, actually. <laughs> I love what you said about being a sort of B2B influencer. <laughs> I think that, <laughs> It's almost the dream job, isn't it? You've had quite an extraordinary career, I must say. And um, I guess being also a woman in tech and a woman in business, that's definitely something that I admire so much about you. So I just think... Um, yeah, there's probably a lot I can learn from you in terms of taking complex topics and simplifying them from an audience. Oh, thank you.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a really nice challenge because, you know, software, even even simple tools or seemingly simple tools, there's so much complexity behind the scenes. And trying to help people understand them and break that down has been a really interesting yeah, interesting part of my job. I've really enjoyed that. And it's uh it's it's a cool industry and a cool business to be part of, you know, the world of data and tech. It is.
2: Yeah, it is. I can vouch for that. And when it comes to this topic that we're talking about on the podcast, you know, trying to conceive, thinking about, you know, becoming a parent. I guess my first question is, where does this story begin for you? Huh,
1: very good question. It probably begins in childhood because much like many of us, I just assumed, you know, I'm a girl, I'm going to be a woman one day, and I'm going to be a mom one day. Like, it's just a, a given. There was no questioning that. And I grew up um, in a you know very loving family with my parents having the very traditional roles of dad working and mom staying home. Um, and I really appreciate how much time mom had for us. So I do want to um, acknowledge that. But at some point during high school, it was very, like, it was never a question whether i would work i, I always knew you no know, i'm i'm going to have a career of some sort um, and you know i think when you're a teenager or maybe a young adult children well they weren't high on my agenda because i thought well i've got time you know i'm i'm, I'm 20 you know i don't need to think about that now because i also i also knew i didn't want to be a mum at a very young age because i had this very I had this experience as a as a teenager where one of my friends, she had very young parents. They were both nineteen when they had her, and when I saw the interactions they had with her, they were so different from what I was used to. And to this day, I can still remember the you know what their house looked like. It, was, it made such an impression on me, unfortunately not in a positive way, of just how little they were interested in their own daughter and how much she was just handed over to the grandparents. And I thought. I never want that for my own children, should I have them... Or Well, that part of the sentence wasn't really in my thinking back then, but I just assumed that I would have to be older, because also my mum was, you know, she was 34 when she had me, so I just had this connection of, um, you know, more mature mother is maybe a better thing. Now, I have zero judgment. If people want to have kids when they're 19, I mean, all the power to them. But it really stayed with me, and I thought, no, I don't really want to think about kids before I'm 30 or so I'll just do the work thing first and so I did the work thing and I I had my career and I lived overseas and I loved that so you know I left high school uh, in Germany and then I moved to New Zealand well I didn't plan to stay but I did and then to Australia and then back to Germany for a bit and now I live in England Um, and I think for a while well (laughs) For a while, it was clear to me: yes, I'm going to have children because it just seemed like the only logical consequence of becoming an adult. It wasn't something I ever questioned. Um, and when I was, you know, when I was in a relationship with my ex-husband, that was also going to be the next logical step after getting married and, and moving. And then it didn't happen, and it didn't really bother me all that much that it didn't happen. Hmm. And then I realized, actually, so, so when we separated. I thought I'm actually quite cool just being an adult kind of by myself and not having to worry about that and and then I flip-flopped back and forth between yes I want to have children to actually no I'm I'm okay without children and it, I would say the last probably the last 3 years were a lot of soul searching and a lot of listening to podcasts about child-free lifestyle and interestingly enough the ones I found um I think I subconsciously I probably listened to them in a way to get confirmation that my choice to not have children was going to be okay and acceptable um but then the one podcast I really liked once I got into it they're like oh we changed our mind we're having children I'm like oh no well, who's going to be on my side now oh. um so so yeah and uh so and I read books and and I try to look at it in a really rational way. I think that's I'm very much a head person like i I think about stuff, and it has to be logical and rational. and when you look at it from the outside, having children, there probably isn't a lot of good logical reasons to do so because we're not living in the old ages anymore where you know you needed children to look after you in old age. And when I look at the state of you know the economy, the environment, politics, all of that, I think is is this really a good idea to bring a child into this world? Um, so that kind of, I think I used that to protect myself from the actual emotional side of me, which I think always wanted to have children. Um, yeah. But I suppressed that a bit. I think that's the realization I have now. At the time, it felt like, no, I'm okay not having children. I'm okay just doing, you know, being an adult and and doing adult things. Uh, and then the critical moment Of shifting my thinking was about a year ago. So, spring last year, where I changed contraception methods. And the first month of the new one, I was like, oh my God, I'm having symptoms that could indicate I'm pregnant. Like, how could this be? And I was really worried. So, I took a pregnancy test and it was negative. And I was really disappointed. And I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I actually want to be a mum. So, I processed that for a little bit and then my partner and I we talked about it because he already has children so you know he he wasn't going to be the first to jump up and out and say yes let's have let's have another child Um, and yeah so but I think at that point because we had talked about the topic you know on and off um, we were like okay I think we're I think we're good to go ahead with this like Yes, we both wanted and I think it was still a bit wobbly because it's just it's such a big decision, Mm. Um, especially when you've looked at all the pros and cons, so to speak. You know, when you try to make a really informed decision about something that literally will stay with you to the rest of your life. Um, Yeah, it's not something I wanted to do lightly.
2: Mm.
1: And then but that's the point when I realized
2: I'm like, no, I actually want to do this. Wow, there is so much I just took out from that. Um, even if I think if I take, if I strip it all the way back down to you know you're in childhood, you're being given dolls to play with. You've got this natural maternal instinct. We talked about this the other day, right? That's where it starts for a lot of us, isn't it? That, you know, boys get given trucks and cars and we get given little dolls. And it's so fascinating. I do hear this a lot. And then you've had this experience with your friend that's made you think, you know what? No, I think I'll do me first. I think I'll do me. I'll focus on me. I'll focus on my career and I'll I'll build my own life and I think you use the words more being a mature mother which I can so Mm -hmm. resonate with also being in my 30s and not really feeling ready until now. Um, If I would hone in on your first relationship and you mentioned it didn't happen with your ex-husband was that because of choice was that because it wasn't working what was the situation there? I think
1: quite frankly it was my body saying he's not the one for this part of the process wow. um because we certainly didn't try to prevent it um you know we we weren't we weren't actively trying to have a child or you know not as urgently but um but you know we yeah we didn't use anything to prevent it and it still didn't happen over a couple of years and i thought well maybe well he thought it was my fault um i thought yeah maybe it's my fault but then when i realized that this is not the relationship i want to stay in for the rest of my life i was like okay i'm i'm i need to i need to end this relationship and i did and the funny thing is as soon as i had made the decision even even though i hadn't you know spoken to him about it but when i made the decision for myself that i'm going to through with leaving him I my body just adjusted and went back to a very normal cycle and being, you know, very, yeah, yeah. It was, wow. it was so fascinating. After years of, um, I didn't even feel like they were hormonal issues, but definitely, you know, irregular periods and stuff, everything normalized and I just returned to normal, to a normal that I actually hadn't experienced before. So that was really fascinating. And um, so I think it was my body, Rejecting the idea that um, yeah. of of having a child with this person now, yeah, he's not a bad person, but he just didn't. He wasn't the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. But also, I didn't want to have a family with him because that was not going to work out. So, in hindsight, I'm glad <laughs> it didn't work at the time. Even though, of course, it made me think, would it work in the future? <laughs> you know, when I'm even older. Because that was already when I was you know, in my late twenties
2: and 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 around thirty. So, yeah. Mm. That's so fascinating, that intuition that our body has to know probably before you rationally knew that this wasn't right and your body's kind of done its thing, worked its magic. I don't know if I'd call it magic, but yeah, it's almost identified that before you have consciously. And I think that's so, I'd be so interesting to explore that from a more hormonal level, how we can can do this our bodies are amazing. Um,
1: absolutely. Yeah. The The female body is quite fascinating.
2: Quite. Yeah. And then you also mentioned then, you know, after moving on from that relationship and getting together with your now husband, a lot of soul searching, a lot of flipping between yes, no, you know, rationally, there are so many reasons not to have children. How do I make that decision? Could you talk me through that a little bit more? What those, soul searching years looks like for you?
1: Yeah. So a lot of it for me came down to money, quite frankly, because, you know, England is not a cheap country to live in, but also more the, all those other considerations, having a child is not cheap. And I, I said to myself, you know, I, I, I want to not feel rushed to go back to work pressure to, you know, find like bigger and bigger opportunities to make more money just to be able to afford at least a comfortable lifestyle i'm not even talking luxuries and all these extracurricular things i'm just thinking like a basic hey we're comfortable and you know we can visit grandparents who happen to live in different countries and that kind of stuff so i thought well money is one thing but also more so than money it's like it's a big responsibility so what i think about is we can choose to have a child but the child doesn't get a choice to be in this world like it, it gets conceived it grows in your in your body and then it is born but it didn't get a say at least at a you know kind of logical rational kind of level it doesn't get a say i don't know what else goes on in other spheres i can't comment on that so if i'm bringing a child into this world i have a responsibility to give it the best life, whatever that looks like, but give it the best life. Am I made for this responsibility? Like I thought, what if I mess this up? What if I end up not being a good mom? What if I don't feel all maternal? What if I, yeah, all of those thoughts. And then, and then I thought, you know, if one day my child says, you know, being alive is amazing. That to me would be like the biggest compliment. Like then I then I feel like I've done this right, but it just feels like a massive responsibility because of everything that goes on in the world externally, but also you know being a being a good family for this kid and, mm. um, giving it not just the bare necessities, but also you know a, a decent education and some opportunities and strong values and and all of those stuff, all of those things. And I think back to my own childhood. So I was you know I was born in the eighties. We didn't have all the social media stuff growing up, like that came at yeah, at the end of my teenage years, so I feel very very lucky that I had an analog childhood and then a more digital adolescence and growing into an adult. but there's so much going on in the world, I'm like oh my god am i am I gonna be able to protect this kid from all the negative stuff mm-hmm. and all these influences so there was a big weight on me and I think it's disappeared a little bit or or lessened but those big decisions and just yeah how can I how can I make sure I can actually live up to the standards and expectations I have of me Mm. as a parent and I'm not saying I need to you know be the perfect housewife the perfect worker the perfect child carer birthday party thrower all of like it's not so much the glossy social media things it's more the yeah. I, I feel I've had a, a great family. I've been very lucky with my parents, but can I pass that on? Like do I have that in me? Have I trained enough? Because I don't know. Um so so Is those there were... any training? <laughs> Is there any training? Um so yeah, yeah. So I've been reading a lot of like parenting parenting books, not even parenting, but more around I don't even know what to how to describe them, but things around having children, things around you know, being parents, being, being a woman and all of that, like it's not just strictly parenting. It's more the holistic view around it. And yeah, that's given me a lot of food for
2: thought. I think it's so, I admire you so much for being so open about that thought process, because I know it's something that I've thought through as well. Am I going to be good enough? What if I mess this up? What if I screw a child up forever? And I'm, I'm, confident there would be so many women around the world who are also going through this process of thought right now. And thinking about, do I have the financial resources to be able to provide a good life and thinking about, you know, the state of the economy that we're in, the state of the environment at the moment, um, there are wars, there are politics, will we have childcare? Like these are big things that, you know, we need to be considering. And I thank you on behalf of myself, but anyone else listening for being open and sharing those concerns, because I do think they're so valid, actually. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, books, blogs, resources, do you remember any of them? Could you reference a few that really helped you throughout this decision? Um,
1: yes. So I did uh, listen to there's a, a woman called Nell Frizzell in the UK <clears throat> and she has a podcast and I think she started her podcast maybe around the topic of, you know, should I have a kid or not? Um, Oh, The Panic Years. Is the, the Panic Years. The, I the read the book. Years. The book. So I read the book or maybe I listened to it in audiobook and then she has a a podcast as well. And that was <clears throat> one of those first ones I went to when when I was still soul searching. I'm like, I don't know what to decide. So I thought it was really apt and just reflecting or yeah, reflecting a few of the experiences I had or the the thoughts and doubts and questions I had.
2: I absolutely loved that book. Like, what happens when a woman starts asking herself, should I have a baby? It's such it it captures the mindset so well. Um yeah. the account of her panic years, it felt like I was literally having a cup of coffee with one of my friends, actually. It was one of those fantastic yes. books that just really explores all of the doubts and the flux and yeah, the the mindset that we go into where we start thinking about. It. And I think I also read it maybe at the perfect time. Yeah. Um it's one of those books that you would throw into the hand of a friend when you start sensing they might need it.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. And I thought it was, you know, it was very relatable and very non-judgmental as well, which is always important yeah. because the last thing you need in that phase is somebody judging you one way or another.
2: Yeah. And it's funny. I think she's very funny. Yeah. She
1: is. She is definitely.
2: Okay. So you, you go through the period of sort of soul searching and trying to understand, you know, how do I make this big decision? How do I know if I'm ready? You probably still don't really know. And then you have a pregnancy scare. Yes. And is that really the moment where you, you learned, actually, this is what I want and kind of talk me through what happened in that story. It was that moment. And I think it's because I've
1: learned over the years that I can be very rational about things. But at the end of the day, I always trust my gut. And whenever I have gone against my instincts, it's not turned out so great, you know, or it's just felt like the wrong decision. Um, So when my when my heart I suppose was sending me a very clear message of oh I kind of wish this pregnancy test had been positive Mm. I thought hmm what's that let's unpack it and so it says a lot yeah and I'm somebody who you know takes me a while to digest these kind of feelings and, and thoughts so I just gave myself a few days of just mulling over it before even you know speaking to Andy or anything just just thinking and and seeing, okay, I've had I've had all this thinking for years over yes or no, yes or no, but now I've got this new situation or, you know, these new emotions. And so, yeah, that was definitely the trigger point where for the first time I let my heart speak instead of my head.
2: I love that. Letting your heart speak instead of your head. And what and did I, you decide to do then?
1: So, well, first I, I needed to start the conversation again with Andy because at that point we hadn't really decided as a couple you know because I think it's not a decision that one person can make it really has to be yeah. a joint decision so I just basically spelled out where I was at and I said you know this is this is the conclusion I've come to uh, but I didn't want to pressure him into, thing, into anything I, I wanted him to decide yes it's right for him too, not just mm-hmm. to appease me in some way because you know, it's a pretty big decision and it's a pretty yeah large commitment and expense to do for someone just to appease them. So I wanted to give him that space, but I still needed to him to know where I stand. And um, yeah, and then we just, you know, took a little bit of time to just think and talk about it and be honest with each other and clear before we said, okay, let's go ahead and try this. But at the same time, we both agreed. We would only try the natural route if it didn't happen for whatever reason that was going to be okay like we weren't going to do whatever it takes we were just going to see if it happens naturally then we'll go with it and if it doesn't then then we're okay being just the two of us and the dog and you know his kids whenever they want to be around cuz they're older so they're not they're not always with us um but that our life as a couple as an adult was also totally fine
2: yeah i can imagine yep. you know you you are with a partner that has their own kids. However, you also still have your dream of having your own family and working through that dynamic must have taken time, but I'm, yeah, I'm glad again that you did settle on on a decision that worked for you both. Um,
1: yeah.
2: And, yeah. And I would say that, um, I mean, the whole,
1: you know, bonus mum dimension comes into it right when you have a partner who already has children and it could be it could be the the woman who already has children it doesn't really matter but um I think part of the conversation that was important for me to get across and I don't remember exactly when I brought that part up but was I'm I'm not just his partner joining his life like there's also part of me that has her own you know dreams and ambitions like you mentioned yeah. and and I think you know I've and it's not a oh, you know, it's it's now my turn kind of thing. It's more there are a lot of things I'm, you know, I'm I'm being part of that maybe originally wasn't part of my plan. You know, you don't tend to as a as a little girl or a teenager, you're not like, oh, one day I'm gonna be a stepmom. <laughs> it's not really part of the equation. But, you know, I have I have zero problem with that at all. It's it's been lovely. It also is though that I have things that I wanna do and that he needs to then participate in. And, you know, a child isn't one of those. Like, that needs to be a fully joint decision. But for us to feel like it's – the relationship is in balance. So sometimes one person needs a bit more support, sometimes the other. But overall, it's in balance, and it's not tilted towards one person getting to do their thing and the other one tagging along kind of thing. So that was definitely part of the conversation as well, that I wanted to say, you know, this is important for me. Now, it's not a deal-breaker if we don't have a kid. Because for me, the relationship is more important than forcing that um, topic, but it is still important. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: And, you know, you are a couple, you're making compromises, you're hearing each other and you're coming to an agreement that's, um, yeah, that is indeed a compromise as well. A compromise you're both happy with in the end, but I can imagine you are your own person. You have your own dreams. You're not just a step mom and a second wife, you know, you yeah. are also having your own dreams and ambitions too. Obviously, this podcast is about trying to conceive. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how much you want to go into the details of what that journey was like for you. But once you made the decision, yeah, how how did that go for you guys? So interestingly enough, so my big worry
1: was, oh, how long will this take? Because, you know, at the time I was – 37 almost sorry 36 almost 37 Mm -hmm. um and he was 49 and we're like this might take a while like but yeah we'll we'll just see how it goes and actually I got pregnant straight away which I almost feel we were like oh my god that was quick like we were surprised um and unfortunately after seven weeks it ended in a miscarriage so that was that was devastating Mm -hmm. I won't lie that was hard um what went through your heads I hmm good question I think when I when I had the first indications that this was not gonna go well I think the rational mind kicked in again and just said okay this is probably not gonna be a viable baby or you know how, however you would describe that um and I kind of went into process mode of okay we've got to go to the hospital um I think at the time I didn't I didn't quite know how to describe it, and I there was there was you know grief and disappointment. One thing I will say is I am glad I didn't feel guilty because I know a lot of women can feel a lot of guilt like it's their fault. I didn't have that, and I am really glad because I think that really takes a lot of time to then process and unpack. Um, and I spoke to a counselor afterwards, and she said that miscarriage takes away the innocence of pregnancy. And I thought, I thought about it for like a split second. I'm like, yeah, I totally agree. Mm. Because then, so I guess in a way, when, so when my body had, you know, processed things, I got pregnant again straight away. Uh, which is fortunate, mainly given my age. I'm like, I, I worry that yeah. this is going to take a while, right? So I was like, okay, okay, we're, we're but then going back to this quote from a counselor that that miscarriage takes away the innocence of pregnancy, the first time around, I mean, I was never the, <laughs> oh, Instagram and everything is pink and, oh my God, I'm pregnant and announcing it to the world and, and doing all those things kind of person. But you have all those feelings anyway, right? You're excited. You're thinking about all the, you know, what if this and like you you plan and you think and you research Second time around, I was it was very subdued. I'm like, let's just get to week twelve, let's just get to week sixteen. Like there's so much more anxiety involved. That was yeah, that was hard. Just the uncertainty of things, the not telling people until a later point. So I had told my parents, I think they came to visit us. So the first time around when I was pregnant, they came to visit us, I think like a couple of days after I had taken the test. So I was really excited to tell them, and it was early on. But I thought, well, they're my parents, and I'm really glad I told them because then, when I had the miscarriage, at least they had two weeks of you know joy and being excited, rather than only knowing about it not working out. Yeah. And yeah. and then the second time around, we actually waited until yeah week twelve, thirteen, and they were really excited, and at least it felt a bit more safe. But even so it still wasn't safe right like something still could have happened so um yeah definitely that innocence is taken away because you're being much more uh, much more careful about things much more okay this can still go wrong kind of thing like i'm i'm not a negative person not a pessimist but i was a lot more just realistic about it and mm. and trying to be more careful and guarded with my emotions I suppose, um, and yeah, also not protect. You're going
2: to protect yourself yes, this time around, yes,
1: exactly. And and also not even being that interested in. Once I told people, like, of course I was excited, but I didn't really want to have a lot of conversations about it the the, the pregnancy or the child and all that because I'm like, I just want to keep that for myself for now mm. because I'm just not ready to share in case this happens again because
2: you yeah. don't know. And what I'm thinking for your particular story, Eva, is that you've gone through such a huge emotional roller coaster in a really short period of time, because if you are falling pregnant, going through the extreme highs of the hope and the optimism, and you can't help but plan. I know from experience, right? Like I I was planning, okay, our baby's going to be due in September. That's so nice. It's still a little bit warm, you know, you... You can't help it. The second you get that positive test, you sort of launch into we're going to be parents mode. Yeah. And people can tell you, someone once told me, oh, maybe don't get attached until 12 weeks. I'm sorry. That's impossible. That's BS. (laughs) Yeah. You cannot not get attached to this little thing that's sort of growing inside of your body and um, your maternal instinct kicks in. You have this really pure joy and pure Mm -hmm. hope and then, of course, you experience a loss and I do want to say I am so sorry that that happened to you and it is such a devastating, heartbreaking thing to have to happen, especially I think with the first pregnancy Mm -hmm. um, when you've also been through such an enormous journey to get to this point of making the decision to have children And then dealing with a pregnancy loss, which is extremely hard, but it's all happened, you know, within a couple of months and then you've fallen pregnant again. So now you're kind of back on this train of optimism, but it's a very short cycle is what I'm thinking. So I can imagine for you, it's a lot of processing as well. And maybe that's where guarding yourself came, came into it.
1: Yes. And I think also like just physically, yes, the body had processed the miscarriage but you know your hormones are still a bit all over the place it's not like you're back to like square one or square zero where you were before you started trying you are somewhere in the middle where your body has just experienced a pregnancy with a surge of hormones and you know your, your body changes a little bit even early on just things change a bit yeah and then suddenly oh okay but but then you're pregnant again. And I, I almost felt a bit sorry for my body when I'm like, oh, did did this happen too soon? But also I wasn't ready to wait for longer because well, given the age, but also we're like, well, let's just let's just try again. I, I wanted to go back to what that person said to you about, you know, not getting too attached. I get that emotionally you maybe try not to get too attached. Mm. But physically those first 12 weeks are so critical to the development of the embryo into a fetus you want to protect it at all costs you want to be extremely attached like yeah. emotionally and and mentally and just being in tune with okay what's going on and how can i be as as good as i can be you know physically and mentally and you know i want to be calm and i want to be mindful and i want to eat all the right things because i want to give it the best chance of of staying um so 100%. I think 100%.
2: Yeah.
1: So it's it's hard to not not be attached because you have to be. I mean, we have yeah. to protect this little being,
2: right? Absolutely. And you're so right. You're spot on. It's it's first of all it's your it's your job now, right? Yeah. You have to hone in on your body and you have to take care of yourself and um, you know, your future child that's growing inside of you emotionally I think it's probably impossible to not get attached as well because mm-hmm. I just remember feeling really proud. And, you know, my miscarriage was even a little bit earlier. I think I was five and a half weeks, something like this. But even in such a short period of time, I felt this immense pride of, Oh, it's burrowing in and it's making a home and we've got this, you know, I really, I remember even almost talking to myself, like we've really, we've got this yeah, and yeah, you are sitting with your partner and your partner is asking you, "Oh, how do you feel? Do you feel anything? And you do feel small changes. And yeah, I personally couldn't help but start planning. And I was also planning how to tell my parents and how to tell my friends. And unfortunately, we didn't get that chance. Um, But look, I think with advice, you have to be very careful with something as delicate and sensitive as this as well. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Absolutely.
2: Something that I'm very curious also to talk to you about, because we are in a simpler position here, is you were going through all of this also as a woman with a career, a woman with mm-hmm. a, biz, you know, a place in a business. I found it quite difficult to keep showing up. And I was wondering what that was like for you as you were going through all of this and managing and balancing a full-time job.
1: Yeah, really good question. I would say that I felt quite lucky that the 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 first pregnancy when I was really tired in the beginning it was in summer when things weren't that busy with events and stuff and I was mainly working from home so I could manage that quite well but I do remember sitting at my desk and you know having a meeting and that was the day when I had the miscarriage and just you just kind of continue and it's so strange like you don't tell anyone because nobody knew I was pregnant, and I didn't want to play with open cards because i wasn't i wasn't i just wasn't ready you know i I don't feel like I couldn't have been open with you know my manager and other people, but I wasn't ready to say anything yet, so you just pretend nothing happens and you just kind of soldier on and then mm. i remember at the end of the month um at the end of september i had i, I was at a you know a business dinner and there was somebody not 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 a colleague of ours um someone else and, and we were having dinner and he knew that you know I was a runner and stuff and he's like oh if you eat that whole piece of chocolate cake you've got to do extra long extra long run tomorrow and I thought I thought to myself dude I had a miscarriage three weeks ago the last thing I'm worried about is a piece of chocolate cake oh my god! but I just and of course he couldn't have he couldn't have known. No. But commenting on what I eat and how much I should run is not really on the cards anyway. <laughs> it's no one's business. Um, no. And I think that experience makes me be even more careful with other people because I'm like, you just never know what goes on in people's lives. You know, if somebody is not smiling for some reason, well, who knows what they've just gone through or experienced. And mm. And it's made me, well... Even even before the miscarriage, like knowing other friends have the wish to have a child and maybe can't, or maybe it's taking a while or something. Even when I made the decision that, yes, I want to have a kid and we want to do this together. I want to be so careful around people and also be be open and even ask them. I'm like, so, so with friends where I know there was a, a wish to have a kid and it didn't work, I will say you know if you if if you don't want me to send any photos like i'm totally okay with that please tell me honestly because i want to respect those boundaries and some people are totally fine they're like no 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 it's you know i'm i'm want to be part of you know these joyful moments and that's great but i also want to respect that some people just maybe can't handle being close to that topic cuz that was me in that phase where rationally i'm like i don't want to have children but i still hadn't quite closed off the decision for myself and I just didn't want really to be around people who were pregnant and talking about babies because I just, I just, it fell too close. And in hindsight, I feel so petty because I'm like, why couldn't I be happy for them? But I just couldn't at the time. I was, it was, it was too, too much of a, you know, too close a to topic. So, mm-hmm. so now I just try to be mindful and sure. I can't necessarily consider every single person's uh, individual situation, but where I know there could be something I can just be aware and I can just ask them openly and just say you know we can change topic or if I one thing I have done is if I noticed that in a group of women in particular if there are people or if there there are women who don't have kids or I know they don't have kids and they're not really participating in the conversation I try to change the topic because I don't want to just talk about baby stuff let's talk about something that everyone can participate in um just in case they feel uncomfortable
2: it's hard I don't think it's petty at all to find it hard to be around people who are announcing their pregnancies or or having babies when it's something that you're struggling with, if it's a decision or the actual act of falling pregnant, you know, I, I admire you so much for actually taking the time to develop empathy towards people who are in that situation, actually, Thank because... You. I I struggle with this right now, to be really honest. I am at an age where I'm in my early 30s. A lot of my friends are fully pregnant and I'm not, and it's really hard. Um, And I think it's such a beautiful message to share that it only just takes a little bit of empathy to just read the room and understand, you know, is someone not contributing and why is that and should we maybe move on? I think that's such a great sort of, not lesson because I find lesson a bit preachy, but it's such a great, um, yeah, message. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And and
1: hopefully it helps others as well to it it doesn't really take a whole lot. And no. you know, it's a it's a little bit of observing, um, especially during the moments when we're not talking ourselves. And and I think people will be grateful and they might not say it, but they will
2: appreciate it. Definitely. More goes noticed than than we know. Yes. Especially for the person that is struggling, they will notice the people that are putting some thought into it and applying their empathy for sure, so we talked through your pregnancy loss and you know how devastating that is, how much of an impact that had on you, and sort of how much you learned from it. And then you did fall pregnant again very quickly. And that is this baby. Am I right? Yes, yes, yes. it is this baby.
1: <laughs> yes, it's um yeah, I'm really excited.
2: Yes, yeah. I can imagine. And what Because when are you due? I'm due on June 13th. That is so soon. That's in a few weeks from now. Yes, it is a few weeks oh, from wow. now. Um, yeah, and yeah, I just
1: I'm really excited. And one thing I've noticed is I'm not scared because a lot of people say, "Oh, are you, are you nervous yet?" And I'm like, "Actually, no, I'm not. Like, I'm I'm excited." So. That's where I think it comes back to this information overload we can so easily get on the internet. I'm being very selective, mm. and I want to research and what I don't. It's been exciting. It's been interesting. I've had a wonderful support team here, like the local healthcare providers, have been great here in Northumberland. And because uh, um, I, I had I had an early scan because of the previous miscarriage, they said when you have the next pregnancy test and it's positive at week six you tell us and you come in and we'll do an early scan just to give us Mm -hmm. some reassurance that, you know, there's a heartbeat and all that stuff.
2: Do you think there's also maybe a part of you that's not scared because you did take so much time and put so much consideration into this decision that maybe now you're here, it feels like it's come at the right time, perhaps? It's funny you say that because I had this exact conversation yesterday with somebody
1: and I said, they say there's never the right time to have a baby, right? There's never the perfect time. But in hindsight, this is the perfect time. Mm, um so but, that. yeah, so I think the preparation definitely helped because when I made the decision that yes, this is this is what I want to do, i I'm just really sure about it now. like there's no there's no yeah. doubt. And I think having lined up as many things as possible between, you know, yes, there's the money side of things, but also just putting other things in place, like having a will other things just you know having a house and and just feeling all around like yes I'm sorted and I'm ready for this next step and I'm ready to devote myself to this next step because I'm not missing out on other things I've done all those other
2: things yeah you've ticked the boxes yes yeah yeah amazing I guess my final question would be if there is anybody listening that's currently grappling with this decision having those thoughts like am I going to mess this up can I take on this job should I do this um what would your parting words be to them I would say
1: it's something that somebody has said to me that even just thinking those thoughts and reflecting on am I good enough am I gonna mess this up is a good indication that the person has the you know intellectual capacity of being a good parent I would say to people yeah being being reflective already on oh my god is this the right thing is probably a good indication that they are attuned
2: to who they are I love that final message of yeah if you're already reflecting and asking the right questions it's such a good indication that you're probably ready and on the right path so I think that's a perfect way for us to wrap it up actually thank you it's been yeah. it's been so lovely chatting with you. Thank you for having me on. No, thank you. That it's such an incredible story. I mean, I have so much that I'm gonna process. I've so much that I'm gonna go and think about. And, you know, I have no doubt you're gonna be just a fantastic mother. I really wish you all the best in the next month and lifetime to come. Thank you, Anna. Yeah, no, my pleasure.